Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 19. Weird place to start talking about the Holy Spirit. Exodus chapter 19, then of course, Acts chapter 2. And I want to lead us through just a few things that I believe we need to know in our hearts today if we are going to see God continue to move and lead us forward. Uh, With that, a shameless plug for tonight. Uh, Holy Spirit Sunday doesn't end after the morning service. Tonight we're going to join all locations at Glastonbury 6 p.m. for some brief teaching, but we want to really take time to uh, see what God wants to do and have ministry time over people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you're like, oh, I've been there, done that. No, no, no. The encounter is always fresh. You need to come. You need to be in the presence of God. Uh, Make it happen. Get your kids there. Uh, It's going to be a great night, and we want to uh, just make space for God to do something. So Exodus chapter 19, uh, I'm going to read verse 1 to 3, 7 to 10, 14, and 16 to 18. So you good? Okay, Exodus chapter 19, verse 1 to 3. It says, exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed to the mountain, uh, climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob, announce to the descendants of Israel. And then we jump down to verse 7 to 10. So Moses gets these instructions from the Lord. Then he comes back down the mountain. It says he returned from the mountain and he called together first the elders of the people and told them the Lord everything the Lord had commanded them. So This is God building a people, and right off the beginning, he starts saying, okay, the Lord says to Moses, you need to hear what I'm going to say, and then you need to communicate that to leaders and people who can carry this message, and then you're going to communicate it to the people. So he comes down the mountain, he communicates to the elders, then, and all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. This is weird, right? I'd be like, God, I'm going to pray right now. What do you want to say to the church? And then after Sunday, I'm going to say, what do you think about what God said today? And then I go bring the answer back to God. Maybe they make us think a little bit more about how we took the word of God into our lives. But verse 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Now, this is incredible. Can you imagine that you're, you left Egypt, you're in the wilderness, you're at the base of Mount Sinai, and God tells Moses, okay, I'm going to speak to you on the mountain, but the cloud is going to be so thick, and the people won't see me, but they'll hear me. You know, sometimes we struggle to follow Jesus, we struggle to hear his voice, we struggle to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Just know we're in good company because the children of Israel wandered in the desert after they heard the audible voice of God give them instructions at Mount Sinai. So the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Verse 14. So Moses went down to the people. He consecrated them for worship and they washed their clothes. Verse 16, on the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn and all the people trembled. So Moses led them out from the camp to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. 
And all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on, the, on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. And I think we got, that's it for now. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 is a very popular scripture when we talk about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Some translations say, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were gathered together in one place. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive, it's powerful, it's living, it's active. I thank you that your spirit wants to move among us uh, in so many ways. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit speaks to a level where every single person, individual, family is at today because you are a God who cares about us and leads us forward as we follow you. So God, I just pray today that this would be more than just an encounter of your presence. It would be a calling of your voice for us to continue to move forward in what you have for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, when we come to Holy Spirit Sunday or Pentecost Sunday, in the, in the New Testament church in this day and age, we actually talk about it as uh, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the arrival of the gifts, the birth of the early church. And that's where the focus leans into and it lies on. But Pentecost is actually a Greek word, but it was really describing a gathering, a feast, a festival that had been happening for about 1,500 years before it actually happened. Why were there so many Jews gathered in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost? You know, when, it always astounded me when you look at the story and it says that there were people from all over other nations, other tribes, tongues, and they heard them magnifying God in their own language. Well, they were there. They were Jewish believers who had traveled for the Feast of Harvests, or it's also called the Feast of Weeks. From the time they left Egypt, when they arrived at Mount Sinai, 50 days after Passover, the Passover lamb, the shedding of the blood, and, and they would remember, they would celebrate, and at the base of Mount Sinai where this happened, they would thank God for the first fruits, the first harvest, the first weeks of harvest that would come. And there was a gratitude and there was a gratefulness towards God and who he was. And this had been celebrated for a long time. And so it's not uh, strange that in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit poured out and they poured out into the streets and there was an overflow of what God was doing, that there were Jews and people who were searching for God. They were all gathered in Jerusalem at that time because they were already coming together for a rite, a ritual a church service, a festival, what they had always walked in. Yet God said, I'm going to do something new and, and something needed to change. And, and that's the interesting thing about uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. It doesn't mean on the day that Pentecost happened. It says, when the day was set, when it had arrived, they had been waiting, they had been gathered, that God did something new in the people. And I wonder sometimes in our lives, when we talk about things like Holy Spirit Sunday and, you know, the move of God and, and the power of the Holy Spirit, I, I think people sit in church and they're like, why do pastors keep beating this drum over and over again? Why do we do this two, three times a year? Why does this happen? We just did one of those. Why do we need it again? Because we actually need to keep encountering God in a fresh and real way. It had become so ritualistic. 
It had become so. This is just what you do because of your heritage. The Jews came to Jerusalem. You traveled for the feast of Passover. You traveled for the feast of weeks or harvest. You traveled for tabernacles. You, you just did these things. And how many know you grow up in church? It's like, well, I went to church and I showed up on Sundays and I went at Easter and I went at Christmas. And it can happen over and over again, but it means nothing about your personal relationship with God, with your relationship with Jesus. And it's almost as if God was saying in the New Testament church, I need my people to move beyond a ritual, a festival, a tradition, and I need them to move into a life with me that is overflowing and ongoing and happens all the time. But I think in our day and age, a couple thousand years after Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit was poured out, I think a lot of charismatic believers, Pentecostal believers, those of us who say we believe in the gifts and the power of God, we show up time and time again with the same traditional spirits. Like, oh yeah, we know that, been here, done that, it's okay. And we're actually not searching for God to do something fresh and real in our lives because that would mean we have to change. That would mean we have to let it affect our tomorrow and our next week and the day after that. And the reason why I really felt today to come back to Exodus and come back to tie that into um, Acts chapter 2 is because I think there are four things that we really need to understand about Pentecost or the Holy Spirit. If we're going to prepare our hearts, and I really feel this morning my job is to open up the ground of our hearts. Kind of make a way where God can plant something that's going to start growing and it's going to start working in your lives. And, and the first thing I want you to know today is this, is that Passover always comes before Pentecost. In Scripture, we don't always know why, but people often received the Holy Spirit before they were water baptized or water baptized before they received the Holy Spirit. But I can I tell you that an understanding of a need for the shedding blood of the Lamb, the Passover celebration, the understanding of your need for Jesus always comes before you can step into these other experiences. Come on, and that's good for us to remember because if you're here today and you're like, oh, I just want God to move in my life and I want to see these incredible things, but you have not surrendered your life to Jesus and said, God, I need you to wash me, cover me, uh, receive forgiveness of my sins. It's nothing that you can earn. You can't figure it out on your own. I remember talking to grown men who had not been water baptized and say, Pastor Jeremy, I just got to get some things together in my life before I'm ready to get in the water. No, you don't. You need to believe that Jesus paid it all, that he shed his blood, that you are covered by that, and because of that, you can put your old man to death and you can live in the life that Jesus has for you. And so a lot of times we, we forget that, and, and if you haven't received Jesus today, I want to tell you that there is a gift, there is a door that is open where Jesus invites you in, where you can leave the past behind, you can... You can have your sin covered. You don't have to live and walk in shame. And God wants you to live in a full and abundant life. But Passover, the understanding, Passover was where they shed the blood of the lamb. They put it on the doorpost of their house so that the angel of death would pass over them. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. 
when we receive Jesus, understand that the blood of Jesus covers our lives. We don't have to live under the shadow of death, destruction, the bondage of this world. We live in a celebration that says, my Savior paid it all. And because of that, I can be grateful and I can honor God with every area of my life. And this is what actually the festival of harvest was. The Feast of Weeks, this is what it was. They, they, they turned it from what should have been something that was liberating and life-giving, and they, they said, we'll gather every year, and we'll bring these gifts, and we'll, we'll honor God. And it was to actually celebrate the release from the bondage of Egypt. I think it's good that we take inventory of our lives say, God, every once in a while, I just need to look back to the day I gave my life to Jesus and say, God, I don't know where I'd be without you, but I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. But sometimes in our lives as Christians, that even becomes tradition and ritualistic. It becomes second place where it's always the first thing. And we got to come back to a place where every time we want to encounter God, when we want to see more in our lives, do we not realize that it always comes back to the price that Jesus paid? We can live a full life. We can live in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We can live in everything that God has for us. Why? Because Passover always came first. Because Jesus paid the price and opened the door for us to walk away that we couldn't walk. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, 13 says this. It says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision. Like, you know, the writer of Ephesians is like, hey, I'm just going to attack everybody here. You know, Jews calling you heathen Gentiles because they're circumcised and they're better than you, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. So he's saying, hey, they had it wrong too. It was all tradition. Next verse. Is, oh, in those days you were living apart from Christ and you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, everyone say, but now. You have been united with Christ Jesus. You were once far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him. What? Through the blood of Christ. It's through the blood of Jesus. Salvation comes through the blood of Jesus, covering our sins, setting us free from the bondage that we were under. And when it comes to understanding how God wants to lead us in our lives and move forward with the Holy Spirit, I think we got to start at salvation. We can't come into these encounters and moves of the Spirit of God without a heart and a gratitude and a life that says, thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done, because I could never do it on my own. But many of us stop there. We don't move beyond salvation. We're like, I'm so glad I'm saved. I go to church now and I'm saved, so forget about everyone else because I'm good. Why would I worry about anyone else? We approach our faith like a 14-year-old girl who once said to me, why would I bring my non-Christian friends to church? Because it'll ruin my friend group. I like things the way they are. I'm good, so I'm not worried about anyone else. But we got to get in our hearts and our lives that God saved you Yes, because he loves you, but he saved you for a purpose. And there are things that he wants to do in your life and my life. And the second thing I want us to see in these passages of scripture, both Acts chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 19, was that the people were gathered together. And why? I answer the question, why do we do these things? Why do we call Holy Spirit night? Why do we uh, take time out of our schedules to add extra services? Why? Because we believe that when we gather together and we get our hearts ready to receive from God, there 
there is an expectancy, there is something that happens in us when we say, God, here we are and we're ready to let you do what you want to do. But some of us rolled up to church this morning just thankful we made it out the door and got here on time. Come on, let's just be honest. Hey, I'm preaching most weeks and I feel that way sometimes, you know? It's like, but do we gather with the intention expecting God to do something? So they were gathered in Exodus chapter 19, but verse 14 says this. It says not only were they gathered, they were set apart in verse 14. God told Moses, tell the people to wash their clothes, consecrate themselves, be ready. You know, when was the last time you said, God, I really want to hear your voice. I really want to know what you want to do in my life, where you want to lead me. And so for that reason, God, I'm going to set aside time. I'm going to put away the distractions. Why did the scriptures say, why don't you throw off the things that so easily hinder you? When was the last time you said, God, I need to actually take inventory of my life, make myself clean, consecrate myself, uh, take a break from some of the things I'm watching, I'm taking in, I'm listening to because I got so much clutter going on from the things of this world. I actually need a separated time where I consecrate my life to be ready to hear the voice of the Lord. I don't think it's because God doesn't want to speak, we're not hearing him. I think it's because we've allowed so many things in, it's so hard for us to discern his voice through the noise. And when we take the time to say, God, we're going to gather, but not only that, we're going to set ourselves apart. We're going we're to take some time to push off all of the other things so we can focus in on what you want to say. Then God moves. And so they gather at Mount Sinai. And they stand at the base of the mountain. And the fire comes and the smoke comes and they hear God's voice. And it even says in Exodus chapter 19 that Moses was terrified. Moses was like, God, that messed me up. That was pretty scary. And then the people said, Moses, we're good. You talk to God, we'll listen to you. But they didn't listen to Moses. And I think we do that in our churches sometimes. This is where all these, our denominations come from and, and stuff like that. Like, some people have said, I'm, I'm good with salvation. I'm grateful for this. But we'll let someone hear from God, but I'm not going to open my heart and life because that would mean I have to take a personal accountability for what God wants to say to me. And they actually stand at a distance and watch the Spirit of God move, and they're kind of like the, the playoff bandwagon people, like when the Leafs get thrown out of the playoffs every year, then they become Oilers fans, you know, until two games later when the Oilers are thrown out of the playoffs. And then we don't even care. We don't even know who's still playing, right? It's just... Okay, Florida's going to win. We'll see. But we often do that in our lives where we get to a place where we experience God at a certain level. I'm like, good with salvation, good with teaching about how to raise my family, how to be successful in life. Holy Spirit, gifts, power, authority, all that stuff, that's a little bit much for me. I'm going to stand at the base of the mountain, let other people experience that. And uh, you can explain to me what God's saying and doing, and I'll take your word for it, but I'm not going to jump in myself. Can I just say to you this morning, if that's where you're at, if that's where your heart is, just say, God, would you show me where you want to lead me? 
Because I don't believe that the Holy Spirit, I don't need to as a pastor, I don't believe anyone needs to twist your arm or force anything on you. Trust me, I'm not going to push you over. I hate that. If anyone ever tries to push me at the altar, I plant my feet and I almost like headbutt them back. Because I believe the power of God is real. And, and, and when, when it happens, it happens because God's moving, not because man makes it happen. But you also have to not close the door of your heart and your life to say, God, I'm, gonna, I'm good with this level of faith and Christianity, and I'm going to stand back and watch. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you forward. See, there's so much more to life than, don't hear me wrong on this, salvation. We need Jesus. We cannot do anything without him. But so many Christians are okay with praying a prayer and living a mediocre life and going to heaven because they've given their life to Jesus and they do nothing with him or for him or experience the move of God or grace of God in their family, in their community. And there is so much more to what God wants to do in us and through us than simply saying, I gave my life to Jesus at church. Now I go to the same church every Sunday till I die. And I guess that's okay. I've had friends that like have drugged their feet on giving their life to Jesus because they're like, I still want to have fun in life. Well, I don't know what kind of Jesus you think you're going to be following, but uh, I, I assure you this. When I follow Jesus, my life has never been boring. Also not very comfortable sometimes because I don't get to do what I want to do a lot of the times, but definitely not boring. And we got to move beyond Pentecost. I told Pastor Brett this. I'm like, you wrote this nice, to Glassbury, he wrote this nice email about how important Pentecost was. I said, well, I'm preaching on how we have to get past Pentecost this Sunday. He's like, great. <laughs> and we know what each other means. And we were just having coffee on Wednesday this week. And I was like, no, I said, because we, we've done it again. We've made Acts chapter 2. We've made what's happened in the early church. These extraordinary moments that happen when we gather and we go, oh, that was such a powerful service. I wish we could just live in the presence of God like that all my life. Well, you can come back to it, but then you got to go to your job and you got to go to your school and you got to go to your community and it has to change your life and you have to bring the life of Jesus to others. Because people who chase that encounter and experience simply for the experience it becomes tradition. It becomes old. It, 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 it becomes salt that loses its flavor. And the world looks at us as like, what is wrong with you? But man, when we come and we gather for the purpose to scatter afterwards and people say, something happened to you there. You're different this week than you were last week. Yeah, because God's changing me. He's working in my heart. He's working my life. And, and so we have to understand that Passover comes before Pentecost. They gathered, but then they were set apart. But I also think we need to come back to a realization that we need to remember who Pentecost is for. Because we've compartmentalized it in the church. 
we've said, well, that's for some and not for others. And now we can get into a whole theological things on gifts and tongues and uh, prophetic and all of these things. And just, you know, uh, we believe in all of those things at this church. Uh, and some people say, well, that's for some and not for all. But I, I, I want to challenge you with one scripture here in Acts chapter 2. Because when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, a stirring up of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have the Holy Spirit in you when you receive Jesus. The Bible says you cannot receive Jesus. You cannot say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But there is something for disciples of Jesus and a tarrying and a setting yourself apart where God stirs and he does something and he changes something on the inside of you that empowers you for life. And we need to clear up who Pentecost is for. So Acts chapter 2 verse 38-39 says this. This is always my argument. People are like, well, that's not for everyone. I find this scripture really hard to argue with. Uh, Let's go to 38 and 39. Sorry. Peter replied, each of you must do these three things. Repent of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. These were, this was like the Peter package we used to call it when we taught uh, in, in uh, Grow Class 101. The Peter package. Repent, get baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 39 is pretty hard to argue with. This promise is to you. Everyone say it's for me. It's for your children. To those who are far away and all, all those who have been called by the Lord our God. Okay, so other translations say it this way. This is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off. Like, P- Peter made it pretty clear. First sermon of the early church, he goes, guys, this isn't exclusive. This is for you. It's for the next generation. It's for every person that comes in and encounters and experiences who Jesus is. That you can find repentance. You can be baptized in water. Putting your old man to death. Coming to the new life, new creation life in Jesus. And being filled with the Holy Spirit because your life needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's for all. And people say, well, you know, Paul said... Do all prophesy to this? Yes, in a corporate context in the church. If you all start prophesying at one time, I will come have a conversation with you afterwards and say, come talk to me or Larry because this needs to be done decently in order. But when there is a break in the music in a time in worship and song, when you lift up your hands and you sing out in your heavenly prayer language, we're magnifying God together. There is something that happens that stirs our faith in the atmosphere where we believe that God is moving and stirring us in the direction he wants to lead us. So Pentecost is for all. Yes, God gives gifts to those who desire, but being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit is for all who offer themselves to receive what God has for them. Can we have the band come back up? Because the misconception has been, well, if the Holy Spirit wants to move on my life and he wants me to speak with other tongues or do these things, he'll just take over and he'll, he'll take total control of my life. And that's what actually scares some people the most. Really weird, strange Christians that do crazy things and blame it on the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know that when God calls us, it's because we partner with the Holy Spirit. You don't prophesy because you lose control. You prophesy because you surrender your heart and you say, God, I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to say what you say. Speaking in tongues is the same way. You operate in gifts of healing, in the power gifts, because you step into and you partner with what the Holy Spirit wants to do. 
You don't turn into some mindless robot that has no awareness of what's going on. No, you, you, you turn your heart to say, God, help me hear you clearly. Help me say only what you say. Help me move in what you want to move in because there is power in what the Holy Spirit wants to do and it draws attention to Jesus, not to us. Where I want to land this morning, and we're going to go into a time where we reflect on this and we invite God in, is when we talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about an encounter with Jesus, I want us to to start seeing that it can't be tradition any longer. It can't be about one service and an incredible move and an outpouring of God. The last thing I want us to carry in our hearts this morning and prepare for tonight or into this week is this is, there needs to be an overflow. Every revival, every move of God, every act of God where the Holy Spirit has moved, the true mark of whether it was God or not was that it changed things in the days that followed after. People were different. People got saved. Their lives changed. Their family changed. What Jesus did in those meetings carried on over into their business, into their homes, into how they ministered to other people. And guys, I love being in church and in the presence of God. I could probably count on my two hands outside of holidays the amount of days I've missed since like I was born. Like, you know, my parents are here. We had Sunday morning church, Sunday night church growing up. If mom wasn't feeling good, I'd be like, great, we don't have to go to church tonight. Dad would be like, get in the car. Just because mom's not feeling good doesn't mean we're not going to church. I was like, oh. But the other part of it is, is I I grew up with a lot of friends and people that they were in all the same meetings, they were in all the same experiences. And when their heart wasn't willing to let it transfer into an overflow, it didn't change how they acted at high school. It didn't change how they responded to their parents. It didn't change how they, they put their efforts forward in their workplace those experiences dropped off and then a lot of them walk away from church and they 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 say well I, I think that was all hype and this that and I said actually I think you just let the seed spring up too quickly or you never let it take root and the enemy got in there and it, he robbed you that's the parable of the sower when we take things in And this is what I want to encourage you in today is when we take in an encounter with God, say, God, we're going to gather. We're going to set ourselves apart. We want to hear your voice. What we're saying is, God, I'm opening the soil of my heart for you to plant something new, for a fresh encounter, for something real. Why? Because we expect in the days to come that God is going to continue to grow what he does in our hearts today. And I believe there will be healings and there will be miracles and there will be people 
filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues for the first time, but there has to be an overflow. Speaking in tongues to people who don't know church is very weird. Maybe you've been around church and you're like, I still think it's weird. Brandy, when she first came to church when she's 18 years old, she's like, this is crazy, but it's also kind of cool. And, and what it does is you have to understand the purpose of it. Speaking in tongues is not about, oh, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I spoke in tongues once and that's what it's for. No, it's actually for effective praise, prayer, and intercession. There is a purpose to the things that God does in the scripture. There is a call of God, an overflow that comes out of every time we embrace what God wants to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to know this. Gathering and seeking a move of God is important, but the fruit of these encounters, they need to shape every area of our lives. Signs and gifts have purpose beyond their immediate appearance. And so we're going to go to the book of Hebrews, and I want to read these scriptures before we come back into a time of worship. It says this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 says, You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. No, you've come to Mount Zion, You've come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is a judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Some translations say he's a consuming fire. A few weeks back, I preached on this. I said, do we want to change what consumes us? The Holy Spirit wants us to live a life where we are kingdom people, where we are consumed by the purpose and the plans and the things of the kingdom of God. Why? Because he is saving many. He is not bringing people into something that ends lifelessly. It's not a wandering anymore. He is calling people into an unshakable kingdom. And when the world is going sideways and upside down and people don't know what to do and they don't know where to turn, they're going to look to a people of God who have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that says, every time I meet with God, it shapes my tomorrow. So I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in discouragement. I don't have to live wondering what God's going to do. I live with hope and peace knowing that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, will lead me each and every step of the way. And then the overflow becomes a testimony that shows other people you can walk and live in this too. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you. Thank you.